Well, hey there, my name is Eric Gray, and I'm the Young Adult and Family Minister here at the Regency Church of Christ. I just want to take a minute and say thank you for checking out this message. If you're ever in the Mobile area, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. And to find out more information about Regency or to listen to other messages from this series, we'd love for you to check out our website at regencycc.org. And we're praying that this message will help you grow closer to Jesus. Well, a good morning to my brothers and sisters of the Regency congregation. I am so thankful that we can be together here this morning. Now, I know some of you have not been able to come out, and we understand, and I pray that you're doing well. But again, it is wonderful for us to be able to come together here at the MPB building and have our worship together this morning. And I want us to reflect this morning on offering spiritual worship with the aim of explaining the spiritual nature of the worship that Jesus intends for his church. First and foremost, worship is about God, not us. It's amazing how easy it is to go through the routine of life and even going to church and still rarely think about God. I read an article about some common distractions during worship services. Starting late, bad preaching, bad singing, poor sound or video quality, poor lighting, extended announcements. Are there others that you would add to that list? Now, all of those things can happen but they must not distract us from what we have come together to do, and that is to worship our God. But even at worship, some people lose their focus. So when we're talking about spiritual worship, our focus must be on God. Our word worship has come to us through the old Anglo-Saxon worth-ship. When we worship, we are declaring worth fundamentally and primarily to God. The principal Old Testament word is shaha, which means to bow down, to prostrate prostrate oneself. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 31, they bowed their heads and worshipped. And that word is used some 95 times in the Old Testament. The principal New Testament word is proskuneo, which also carries the idea of bowing prostrate on the ground. And it is used some 59 times in the New Testament. During World War II, William Temple urges the English people to worship, and he explained what he meant by the term. To worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, and to devote the will to the purpose of God. So first and fundamentally, through both Old and New Testaments, worship is about God, not about us. Worship is fundamentally praise. It is our response to God for who He is and what He has done. John chapter 4 is Jesus' conversation with the Samaritan woman. And her understanding of Jesus progresses as the dialogue unfolds. She first sees Jesus as an ordinary man, a tired man, a Jewish man, a thirsty man, 
verses 5 through 12. Then she realizes this is no ordinary man, but a miracle worker who can provide another source of water in verses 13 through 15. In verses 16 through 30, she sees him as a teacher, a revealer of truth. And finally, in verses 39 through 42, she reaches the center, the core, the most fundamental truth. Jesus is the one and only Savior of the world. But let's come back to John chapter 4, and I'm going to begin at verse 19 and read through verse 24. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be His worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. We must worship the right object, God. I've always appreciated the line in William Cowper's hymn, Oh, for a closer walk with God, the dearest idol I have known, whate'er that idol be. Help me to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. Worship with the right motivation. Jesus said those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. This is the will of our heavenly Father. Those are the kind of worshipers that God seeks. And then worship with the right action. Once we recognize God as the only one worthy of our adoration... And we are motivated to the point where we must pour forth our praise. Then the action that follows, I believe, will be heartfelt worship. Worship with the right attitude, spirit. That means the heart, the mind, the spirit of a person is to be involved in worship. And then worship by the right avenue, truth. Now, truth may refer to the God-authorized acts revealed in Scripture. It may also mean that worship must be genuine, not counterfeit. We do not simply go through the motions, but the heart, mind, and spirit of a person is to be involved in worship in accordance with His will. So what happens when we come together? Corporate worship offers us an opportunity to encounter God. Worship begins with the nature of God, sovereign, powerful, glorious, holy, full of steadfast love. Worship is a deliberate focusing on God for the purpose of encounter with Him. We recognize His supreme worth. Worship also offers an opportunity to edify others. Worship can build us up. Strengthen us to go out and live in such a way that God is glorified. And then worship also offers an opportunity to engage seekers. We may help people find God. When we step back and think about our majestic, holy, loving, awesome God, 
and realize that we are a needy, sinful people, what else can we do but bow down and worship? Worship is a response to what God has done, is doing, and will do. Worship seeks to glorify God, edify believers, and appeal to the lost. Psalm 95 and verse 6 tells us, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. And then I want us to look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Three important therefores in Romans. You've heard the old saying that whenever you see a therefore in Scripture, you need to understand what it is there for. And so Romans 5 verse 1 tells us, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The therefore of justification. We have been justified by faith, and the result is we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8 and verse 1, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The therefore of sanctification. We have been set apart by Christ, and we are thankful for that sanctification. And then there is the therefore of consecration. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 again, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So the therefore of consecration. So the therefore of justification, of sanctification, and of consecration. I want us to notice four things from these two verses. Number one, the appeal. Paul says, I urge you, I beseech you, I beg you, I plead with you. Then the basis of the appeal the mercies of God. When have we last sat down and reflected seriously upon God's mercies? Mercy is an essential quality of God. In 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. And then the nature of the appeal, that we be living sacrifices. The sacrifice is to be holy. And a holy life is one dedicated to God, a life disciplined by God, and a life that is distinctive for God. And then the result of the appeal, render spiritual worship to God. It would include minister to others, being at God's disposal, we will not be conformed to the world. We will be transformed. We will not allow the world to squeeze us into its mold. We will, above all else, desire to do the will of God. And then Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, 
but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. That Spirit-filled life will express itself in joyful singing and an attitude of gratitude. Two essential qualities of spiritual worship, joyful singing and a thankful spirit. Let me share three words which underscores for us three primary elements of true spiritual worship. Number one, humility, bowing down in the presence of our almighty, all-loving God. Number two, reverence, the wonder and awe at the majestic and greatness of our infinite God. And then number three, service. Worship and service must be integrated. Worship, I believe, results in change. Worship is the fountain source from which all else flows. Worship energizes renewal and sustains us for the far journey. And I believe the sequence runs something like this. Number one, worship. Worship sensitizes us to the nature and power of a holy, majestic, and loving God. Number two, changed hearts. When we generally draw near to God in worship, He inevitably changes our hearts. Number three, changed character. Changed hearts result in changed character. His nature begins to shape ours. We long for His will. His passions begin to inflame ours. We grow in our ability to discern the needs and feelings of others. Number four, compassion, service, and justice. God-formed character is expressed in compassion, service, and justice. Worship helps to produce those virtues. And we certainly need those virtues in our day and time of compassion, service, and justice. And then number five, evangelistic credibility. Lifestyles of compassion, service, and justice underwrite the credibility of evangelistic witness. And then finally, number six, God is glorified. Credible evangelistic witness brings people from darkness to light, from death to life, from the power of Satan to become worshipers of the living God. Thus the cycle continues. New conversions, new worshipers, new changed hearts. The reason we worship is God. The expression of worship is in word and praise. The experience of worship includes feelings of awe, sorrow, joy, penitence, and jubilation. And the results of worship are that God is exalted and we are changed and ministry is generated. Let me try to conclude this lesson in one sentence. Since God is seeking true worshipers who will worship Him in spirit and truth, we should make it our priority to become such worshipers.
since God is seeking true worshipers who will worship Him in spirit and truth, we should make it our priority to become such worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth.